Good morning, Rugie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you too. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It has. Yes. So just um, as a reminder, this is now the fifth episode in the series. It's just been flying by of Black and Well Abroad. And when I thought about doing this series, you immediately came up as someone that I wanted to have. So I'm so excited to have you here. Are you in the car right now or are you elsewhere? I'm not in the car right now. I'm actually in Virginia. Oh, okay. Nice. How's it feel to be? So I actually, let's just jump into it. Why don't you take us through just like, who is Rugi? How did you end up in the car? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Thank you. Um, so I'm Rugi or Rugi Khan. I am a Senegalese American. I grew up in Dakar, so Dakar is home. I, um, I, I, I came to the U.S., or my mom is American. I came to the U.S. for college at first. I was at Spelman College. That's where I got into yoga, and I decided to become a yoga instructor while I was doing my master's in Florida. And so that was back in 2015, and I moved back to Senegal in 2017 and started Jarama Yoga, which is my yoga page, um, really wanting to give back and mm. contribute to the community, um, help people find tools that can um, help to reduce stress. So that's how I got into yoga. It really helped me mm. out as a student. Mm. And I'm back to being a student, hence why I'm in Virginia. Um, so I just started a PhD program at Virginia Tech. What? Yes. <laughs> All the claps and snaps. Grace. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm back. But, you know, Senegal, Dakar is my home. I'm back and forth all the time mm -hmm. um, and pretty well versed on everything yoga at oh. Dakar. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah. Um, we're going to go through kind of a journey. So I want to take folks through. Um, originally from Dakar, you end up going to Spelman in the U.S. How was that? change and then talk about um, how you came across yoga. What did your peers think about yoga at that time? Um, what was your really your experience in wellness also at Spelman? Yeah, so Spelman being an HBCU and an all women's college, um, what I loved the most was that most of my classes were centered around the black women's experience. Mm. That really helped me connect to African Americans, understand the diaspora connections and the importance of healing um, beyond what we have learned about our history. We carry some of that trauma within us and within our in, in our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started off really with meditation. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say my freshman year, I went to a weekly meditation session that they had um, at Spelman. And from there, my second year, I started doing yoga. Mm -hmm. And there were two Spelman alumni who um, back then had started a yoga club, had started a yoga studio, and oh. they would teach weekly, weekly classes. And so I just fell in love because for the first time, I was like, what? There are black women yogis out there? <laughs> Yes, I'm signing up for that. <laughs> and so they were really inspiring. Um, and and, and I, I continued doing yoga on my own. I mean, not on my own, but outside of Spelman as well. I spent a whole summer in Dakar once doing yoga. Mm. My mom had recruited um, this lady, who, an Indian lady who was in Dakar at the time with her husband. And she gave us um, classes twice a week. And um, wow. I would say there wasn't back then a big yoga community. Um, there is a long history of yoga in Senegal, but the community has grown a lot more since. So I mm. wasn't seeing anyone my age in any of the yoga sessions or events I was going to. And even at Spelman, we were about a handful that would go to the classes. Um, so it's been quite nice to see how yoga has evolved, mm. how more people are accepting um, and how black people are seeing representations of themselves and now Africans are also seeing representations of themselves in yoga. Oh. Um, that's something that's really, really important to me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so what is really awesome and I'm kind of blown away by is that your early experience of yoga was really rich um, relating to like being surrounded and in community with black women. 
which is like not the reality for most of us, right? Um, as that kind of becoming the norm for you initially, did it like, was it, was it weird to see like, oh, this is what I'm seeing as what, what yoga is marketed as and towards, but this has been my experience. Like, how did you sort of reconcile those things? So I think that hit me the most when I was doing my teacher's training in Florida. Mm. I was one of three black students in the class, and I brought up a lot of how yoga is really important in the black community or people of color. Mm. And we talked about, you know, some of these issues with diversity in yoga. Of course, the conversations were never at length, um, mm. but it is something that I did actively bring up in our yoga teacher training because... Mm. I think that was back in 2015. Um, I was really starting to feel like there was a lot more tension in terms of racial divisions here in the United States. And it was really important to address that because I had been doing so much research on how yoga was specifically important for healing our bodies because as black people, we carry some of that trauma. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in any other given world, uh, a yoga class is full of skinny white ladies who wear $100 plus yoga attire and, you know, whose bodies do things that my body <laughs> couldn't do. Even with postures, I was like, uh, how does that look like for me? Yeah. How do I understand how to adjust some of the poses mm. in ways that it, it's comfortable? I'm a curvier woman, mm. um, so I've had, I had to bring up a lot of those conversations in that mm. teacher training. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm sure then that you have brought that forth in your teaching and to your community. Um, I'm really curious about yoga in in Senegal, in Africa, um, and I know that obviously Africa is a huge continent. So, you know, one experience in one place may not be the same as elsewhere, but I'm really curious around how was the reception of the practice? Um, what what do people think about it? Um, is it seen as something that's, that's feminine and girly? Like, I'm curious to know what are some of the, the general thoughts in Dakar about what yoga is and who it's for? Okay, so a couple of different things. I think there is a first element of curiosity. Mm -hmm. So whenever I would hold sessions, and mostly these are community events, I would get a lot of first comers. So this is their first time doing a yoga session. Someone mm -hmm. told them about it or they found out about the event through my page. So there is a curiosity because globally yoga has become very trendy. Mm -hmm. So that's on one end of the spectrum on the other end of the spectrum yoga is also seen as something that's like super athletic for people that are like super fit, uh super fit and in our um, association of yoga instructors in senegal so i we created a national association back in 2017 mm -hmm. um and it's predominantly male and so there is this notion that men are the leaders as far as the yoga sphere is considered in Senegal. Wow. A lot more male instructors than women instructors. In our national association, we are about four women who are active participants. And as far as Senegalese yoga instructors, that means people who look like this. Mm -hmm. We are probably, I, I have met three other women and i have heard of two other women so we are less than 10 senegalese women who are yoga instructors so it's still very wow. dominated in senegal that's yeah. so wild to think about because what and if you've been tuning in if y'all have been tuning into previous conversations what we've heard numerous times already um, and I've heard it a lot too, is, hey, where's the male representation in this practice? But you're saying that that's quite the opposite. What do you it's think that's opposite. about? Like, what, where does that come from? So um, I mentioned earlier that there's a long history of yoga in Senegal. And one of the founding fathers of um, what we call yoga de Pharaon, which would be the equivalent of comedic yoga, is Khan, who did a lot of the research and contributed to a lot of the research on um, identifying how yoga was practiced back um, in the earlier civilizations in Egypt. And so he has his family, his brothers mostly, trained under him. He has other Senegalese men who trained under him. 
and they became um, yoga masters through apprenticeships. Mm. And so they have been like wow. the founding fathers of yoga in Senegal. Wow. So because it's been male dominated through the instruction, um, more men feel comfortable going to yoga classes. Senegal um, is still, I would say we, because Islam is the major religion in Senegal, men and women socially um, have different experiences. Mm-hmm. And so women don't always feel comfortable doing certain mm-hmm. things in men's spheres. Mm-hmm. And so in some of those classes or in some of those yoga centers, they'll have classes for women only and mm-hmm. classes for men only. That's yeah. so that people can feel more comfortable. I mean, if I'm in a down dog and there's a guy behind me and I am have a <laughs> Might not be it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and her husband, if she has one, is probably not feeling that either. Um, okay. Yogi Kane, right, is who we're talking about. And yes. it's so interesting because you and I chatted about this briefly when I did my yoga teacher training, and I see my dad's in here and your sister's in here. It's a family affair. Hey, y'all. Um, hey, <laughs> Um. I found out that my comedic yoga teacher, um, who is a master instructor, your Sarah Hotep out of Chicago, um, actually did some work with Yogi Kane and, and they kind of collabed and connected. And um, he shared when he was in Senegal and that they would have conversations about like different concepts, yogic concepts. And I thought that that was so cool. And then when I reached out and you showed me that you had a picture with him, I thought that that was so awesome. So I love the connection and... Um, and I love also just like, not even the reclamation, but really the embodiment, right. Of like, this is our history. Um, and I'm going to learn it. I'm going to interpret it. I'm going to turn it into something that my people can use with this ancient wisdom. Um, that is so beautiful. And powerful. Yes. And powerful because although India holds a lot of gets a lot of credit for yoga mm-hmm. um it's it's been really important for us as Senegalese yogis um as African yogis to reclaim that yoga doesn't necessarily come from India mm-hmm. um it has sources in Egypt as well and one thing that Khan had said that really made me think a lot is that you know, yoga is part of this universal language and different civilizations, different cultures have had their own forms of yoga, even if it's not called yoga. Mm. And so he talks a lot about Kung Fu and that is a form of yoga. So Mm. he also talks about Kung Fu yoga and it just made me sit back and think like, you know, this is our thing too and we need to claim it and and use it and and that's a source of empowerment totally um yeah it was it's been a game changer for me for sure um and like you said i think that people can can get caught up in what it's supposed to look like in this westernized sort of um yeah everything comes from africa real talk um you know, this this idea that it's supposed to look a certain way, like you described, like that thin middle-class white woman with her Lululemon pants or her whatever pants. And and it's funny because I am a Lululemon ambassador. That's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. But it is, it's sort of like this, um, this poster board for what it's supposed to look like and that your body's supposed to be able to do all these things. And when, what happens when you don't look like that? So then is it not for you anymore? But I think people forget in the westernization and the capitalization of this practice, and this is what was really embedded in me from comedic yoga, is that it's not about that. It's about your internal experience, right? It's about um, how you actually embody the principles of yoga and how you live that. It's a way of living. It's a way of being in the world. Um, Talk a little bit about what is your practice like off of the mat? What has yoga meant to you in your life? Ooh, no, <laughs> that I'm struggling with at the time. Um, and I know that that definition changes, you know, like that it's it not does. like a linear definition. It, it, yeah. It, it does. It does. I think um, yoga, I think I talked about this a few months on Facebook um, there was an article that came out, and I really can't remember because I've been off Facebook for some time. But anyway, you. <laughs> growing up, I was never um, athletic or considerably fit. Um, I 
chubby. And so exercise was um, kind of traumatic for me. Mm. And it's not until I started doing yoga that I started getting pleasure Mm. or feeling pleasure in moving my body in different ways. Mm. And so yoga holds that really important space for me in allowing me to be comfortable in my body. And I've gone through several changes now that make yoga challenging for me as a personal practice because Mm. things don't feel the same way. Mm. And um, that's something that I'm coming to accept. I'm like, okay, I can't hold some of my postures for as long as I used to. (laughs) Um, So there's a lot of growth that goes with yoga. And Mm. with that, I've noticed how much I have increasing compassion for my students and I come from a family of educators I'm a teacher and I think that's my default so most of my yoga practice comes with the intention of teaching yes that's so hard because I want to teach it this way or I have an intention because this is what I want to deliver and more and more I'm finding the need to internalize that and so asking myself questions about what do I need from my own yoga session Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been easy to build that discipline for myself um Mm. but it's something that I am working on actively (sighs) at this moment with compassion yes ah I so (laughs) feel you girl it's like once that teacher brain comes on like after your teacher training, it's like you're forever changed, right? When you hear a song, you're like, oh, I want to put that on my yoga playlist. You're like at the coffee shop trying to Shazam the song and stuff, you know, like, and you're thinking about as you're doing, because I'm, I'm a big proponent and, and advocator of free flow and just moving in the way that your body feels good. A lot of the times people will notice that poses stretches, you know, postures that that they've done maybe a million times are actually a yoga posture. Um, So you likely have already been doing some form of yoga in your life and didn't even realize it. But, you know, that that ability to move intuitively and just feel um, and really have that internal experience that you talked about can be so challenging as a teacher because you're always wanting to see how you can bring that same value you experience to your students. So to take, to like remove yourself from that can be so, so difficult. Um, What are some tips or some thoughts for those who may be yoga teachers or, you know, wellness people who are instructors? um, What are some of the things that have helped you sort of be able to step back and really enjoy your practice like as a beginner again? Mm, I'm in the learning process of it, but I think um, setting an intention is really key setting an intention for what you want to get out of it. Mm. Um, And then depending on people's Mm. schedules, I think early morning is really the best for me. So if I do it first thing in the morning when I wake up, it's going to get done. If I start doing something else, it might get done. And then I always try to do a couple of different um, practices at night sometimes successful, sometimes not. Mm. So I would say the intention is really key. Um, and then finding a time that works best because mm-hmm. we can want to do it, but unless we do it, it's not getting done. Right. And the intention can be related to something that you want to experience in that moment, something that you want to let go of in that moment. Mm. Um, I found that at different times, it was really beneficial for me to dedicate a practice to someone, Mm -hmm. Um, either someone dear to me in this present life or someone who had passed on Mm -hmm. um, just because it made me more accountable to doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I remember, so going back just to reiterate intention and what I also heard was like, prioritize it, prioritize it and find what works for you. So know thyself and know what works. Um, but moving into that idea of of dedicating your practice to someone, I remember when I first heard of that concept in my teacher training, we had a practice that we did where we were dedicating it to someone. And I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried. And it was such an interesting experience. Um, if someone were to think about or never heard of this concept of dedicating their practice to someone, what does that look and feel like? 
at least for you? Mm. For me, it looks like being very intuitive. Mm. Um, so letting it flow naturally so I don't have an, another intention in mind as far as like what I want to do, what I want to get out of it. Um, it also feels like silence, mm. um, allowing the memories of that person to come back to me. Mm. If it's a moment where I need to forgive or I need to let go, then it's also giving myself the space to feel it, not just to think it. Mm. Um, so perhaps holding like a child's pose for a little bit longer mm. or sitting in meditation for a little bit longer, either in between my practice or at the end. Mm. Um, it also feels like just visually having that person in mind. Um, and also if the person has passed, because I think of my grandmother a lot, thinking of those like sweet memories. Mm. And, um, you know, at different times, I'll think of something that happened and I'm like, ah, this was amazing. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> mm, yeah. I love that. And I, I think it's, you know, we know that emotions and things get stored in our bodies. You talked about that a little earlier. So also just what a beautiful way to release emotion, right? Because as we're moving yeah. our bodies, um, we are getting circulation and we're opening things up and things are coming to the surface. And so um, I love that intention. And just, I think that there's also just such a willingness to um, to enjoy, but to let go. Right. And there's like a the principle of non-attachment um, is so beautiful in that um, there are several yogic principles out there. You know, you seem like a very intentional person. Um, what are some of the principles that you love about yoga and how do those guide your life? And you can just choose one if you want, you know, or a couple. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I I haven't been thinking too much about the yoga principles lately, mm. to be honest. Mm. Um, but when I was doing my yoga teacher training, I remembered um, being very critical of the yoga philosophy and the principles mm. that were in yoga. Because of my religious background, I was encouraging myself to question everything mm -hmm. and it helped me to do a lot more research in Islam and mm. I actually found that there were so many more connections between like yoga philosophy like the principles and what was also being said and taught in Islam and some of those are very like universal like not lying not right. stealing not causing any harm um I was like I'm down with all of that and what I thought was most impactful for me at the time was realizing that these are all they they're layered and so you kind of have to work through the first ones in order to get to the second one mm -hmm. so you have to start adopting the principles that are more abstract or theoretical um before you even get into the more physical ones mm. and that to me was very powerful only because we sometimes want to do everything at the same time um, and so taking a step back and realizing, okay, how am I making sure that my thoughts are pure, that my words mm. are pure, that I'm not holding on, that I'm not lying, that I'm not harming. Mm. What does harming look like mm. on an everyday basis? Um, not just harming others, but harming myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's something that I need to start looking into a little bit more. <laughs> of course. Um, it's a reminder for all of us. And I think that for me, I'm always drawn to maybe one thing or another in a particular moment in time. Um, but like you said, they're very universal principles, which is great. But you touched on something that I want to dive into a little bit more, which is, um, you know, your your life practice, which is Islam. Right. And so a lot of people associate yoga with Hinduism or like as a religious thing. Is that something that you have come across in Senegal? I know that you have, that the roots are, okay, this is African too, so this belongs to us as well. So there's a little bit of a different dynamic there. But I'm curious as to um, either as you were going through teacher training and, and having to reconcile that or anything that you've come across in people that you share yoga with, um, how have you kind of dealt with that or have you even come across that? Um, yeah, there are always people out there who are like, uh, this is not what we're supposed to do as Muslims. Mm. But, um, <laughs> I do come from a community of people who are, um, Muslim identifying, Muslim practicing, who do not 
necessarily see an issue between having a practice that you can go to and having a spiritual practice outside of that. Mm. Um, I haven't had to debate too many people, thankfully. Um, I think I would avoid those types of debates because you're just getting into conversations that, quite frankly, I don't need to have with you. (laughs) It's okay. I'm not going to convince you if you do not. Like, if you don't get it, that's totally fine. Um, I respect that for you, and I respect what I do for myself. Mm. Um, So I think... Online, there isn't that much information available. I've tried to do research on it. Um, But within our National Association of Yoga Instructors in Senegal, we have had conversations about it, and we've even wanted to organize a conference Mm. um, to talk about yoga and Islam. Mm. But we did find that the public perhaps wasn't ready for that yet. Um, So it's something that's on hold maybe in the years to come. Um, Right now, we don't think yoga hasn't or at least as national as senegalese yoga instructors our presence isn't known widespread enough to be able to have that message be shared um people mostly are still in that discovery they want to know what is yoga Mm -hmm. and i think we are trying to facilitate ourselves to get people to be interested and to come yeah and then once people reach that level where they're questioning a little bit more and they're open they're open to those discussions it would be the right time to have like a conference and talk about yoga and islam and there are scholars or people who are much better versed in Islam that would be able to address questions that, you know, sometimes there are things that you know and that you feel that you cannot necessarily express. Mm, mm -hmm. That's how I feel about it. So Mm. I'm not engaging in certain conversations because I cannot express how I feel about certain things Mm. verbally. That's real. I find that with a lot of people of color, like worldwide, we're still in that newer discovery phase of it, right? Um, There is still, we're still just finding out that there's origins in Africa um, related to yoga, like not a a widespread known thing. Um, For you yourself, I know that you said that, that some things you can't fully explain, but if you were talking to you know, your fellow sister who is, is, who also practices Islam and they had questions about it. Like, what would you, what would you say, um, to them? Mm. Well, I would say, let's open up some books. Let's talk about it. Mm. You know, um, let's dedicate some time to reading. I think, um, in Islam, that is one of the first um, one of the first messages that God had um, was learn, mm. read, mm. be knowledgeable, mm-hmm. question. Mm. And so that would be the same advice, whether it's the Quran, whether it's the Bible, whether it's the Torah, you need to read, you need to learn, you need to question. Same thing with yoga. You need to learn, you need to read, you need to mm. question. And um, then I would be opening, open to having a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So really Let's like looking together. at... <laughs> we can never we never arrive right there's always a continuous le- uh, learning um and and we have to be open to that to continue to evolve as human beings right um we never have it all figured out hey enrique nice to see you in here dorothy too um let's talk a little bit more about like your classes and like what it how do you feel when you are teaching yoga to your community and it's like I'm assuming, you know, black dominant um, in those spaces. And what are people saying to you after the classes? I'm just curious about that experience of actually teaching the class in your community. Yes. Um, so there is a big community of what I would say expat yoga teachers. Wow. And those are non senegalese yoga teachers. Most of them are either European mm-hmm. or white American but really European and they have a community of yoga goers who also look like them Mm -hmm. with specs of people who probably don't look like them Mm -hmm. so in Senegal if I wanted to establish myself as a yoga instructor to a community that's already adopting yoga um, I would have students who don't look like me I was really intentional of making yoga um, accessible to everyone. Mm. And so when I first moved back, I created this initiative called the Yoga du Dimanche, and it was 
the last Sunday of the month, I would have it through social media to get people to come out for it. And that was really for all the people who are curious, who, you know, don't want to spend money to be able to discover what yoga is at any other time. It's the upwards of 10 to $15 for a class. Yeah. If you're just starting out, you're not really sure this is in line with your religion. You probably don't want to make the investment and the time to like travel to go there. So right. um, seeing someone that looked like them, who sent a release, um, teaching the class made a lot of people come um at the end and ask me questions and join my Facebook page or my Instagram page. So that's been really nice. Um, mostly or lately, I up until now I've moved, I was teaching yoga to um, high school students. So I taught as a high school teacher and I had a yoga club um, and I was working with another Senegalese uh, yoga instructor, Maria Makari, she's my big sister. Um, and, and, and that was really, really nice mm. getting the children. So we worked with elementary school kids as well as high school students. Um, and they absolutely love it. And mm. it's exciting to see that development in them so early on in their lives, adopting practices that can help them manage their emotions, their stress, get in tune with their bodies, seeing that, you know, there were people who look like them doing it makes it not foreign or not feel foreign. It's not a, it's not a concept that's outside of the norm. Mm -hmm. um, so those are my main teaching experiences and I absolutely love it. I think yoga is one of those things that feels like water to me. It's mm -hmm. like I'm in a fish in water. I do a lot of other things professionally, but when I'm doing yoga, it literally doesn't feel like work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, part of me is always torn whether it's something that I do want to make it like my main activity because perhaps it'll become a source of stress as well. Um, <laughs> as opposed to it being like something that I do because I really love it and I enjoy it. And yes, I can. Um, it can contribute to my well-being financially and by other ways. Um, so yeah, I, am always kind of like, do I want to go full time with it or I totally get it. I can always incorporate with all the other things that I have going on in my life. <laughs> Love that. That's real. That's definitely real. It takes on a different shape when it becomes quote unquote a job. So I feel that, um, Keely says my family is of an Islamic descent. And although I don't practice Islam, I tend to frame the message of self-improvement, honoring the gift that God has given us, et cetera, in a respectful way. Does that resonate with you? It does. It really does. Mm. And I think religion also, you know, it's a journey. Life is a journey. You know, things don't always go as you think or as you expect. And I've been learning a lot about compassion and yeah. self-compassion. And so sometimes I'm a, I practice Islam better than at other times. Sometimes mm. I'm practicing yoga better than at other times. Um, so, you know, just take it how it is and strive to improve yourself i think that's a, a really good approach absolutely and the self-improvement is on so many levels i think for me one of the reasons why i love yoga so much is because for me it's been a practice that addresses my mind body and my spirit it is for me a spiritual practice where i can connect with something greater than myself um it is for me a physical practice where i can move my body and my heart is beating and maybe i'm sweating um, but I'm opening and I'm giving myself space for release. It's an opportunity to, you know, um, open up for creativity. I've gotten a lot of really great ideas, like in a yin yoga class or like a yin session at home, um, you know, space for just to not think about anything, to just be fully in the practice and not worry about anything that's going on outside of that. It's like Nicole Cardoza described it as coming home to yourself. And I think that that, that that way of thinking about it really resonated with me of just like, yes, I'm coming back to myself. Um, the focus is, is on me. It's on my internal experience. It's on what I'm feeling in my body. Um, the freedom that I'm finding in my mind of just like not worrying about anything, you know, even in a, and on an emotional level too, right? Like emotions rise, um, emotions release, emotions are more felt, like you can be more present. Um, so I, I love the practice because it really has just offered so much 
more for me than let's say going to the gym or going on a run. There are, there are some elements of that in some of those things too. It can be meditative, but I think yoga just feels like a complete package for me. And, um, and I resonate when you say, you know, um, shit, I totally lost it. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> but, but it resonated. Okay, it's girl. Like home. It's like, you know, it, it, I think yoga is really special in that exact sense. The mind, body, spirit connection. Not too many practices in life in general have that combination that is so intentional mm. in the way that we are so, like the, the the principles in the practice the physical practice the non-physical practice you know mm-hmm. there are so many different schools of yoga types of yoga um and, and 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 i think you know that's part of the beauty is that it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter yes like this is what it looks like um this is what it's supposed to be. It's so many different things at the same time in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think that's the magic of yoga. And for some people, it clicks. For others, it doesn't. Yeah. And that is also okay. Absolutely. You know, yoga might not be for everybody, even though it is for everybody. Yeah. You know, everybody might not be at that point where they're ready for it. Um, and they don't have to be. Mm-hmm. There are many other practices in the world out there that people can connect with to help them in their own evolution. Absolutely. Some people need more of the physical. Some people need more of the spiritual. Some people need more of that emotional. And for those of us who need a little bit of the three or all of it, yoga can be that thing that we run to. And um, what I love about yoga the most or my philosophy as a teacher is Mm. that I never want my students to be dependent on me. Yes. And so I always strive to empower my students or hope that when they're leaving my class, they'll remember at least one thing that they can take for them. Yes. Because yoga is so personal. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to understand what a posture feels like in another body. I'm never going to understand the emotions that come out Mm. in someone else. Mm. I'm never going to understand that spiritual element or that spiritual pull or spiritual push that Mm. someone is going to experience during their practice. Mm. So it's really, it's kind of dangerous, but it's also really exciting that, you know, I have learned enough that I can guide someone um, with certain intentions, but also allow them to have their own experience. Um, and Absolutely. so I'm not holding on to how other people should do things and how <laughs> it should look. I can give you adjustments if you need them, if you want them, of course. Um, I can show you how to move beyond, even if I can't do it for myself, right. I can at least instruct you on how to do it. And I can show you that it is okay to, you know, modify a pause so that you can do it better. And, you know, there's no competition out there. We all have a day where we will no longer be. So let's be compassionate with ourselves. Yes. Ugh. I love all of that. And I think some things that I really pulled out of it is, and what I also believe, I think our teaching styles are very, very similar, um, but <laughs> very, like, very similar. Um, it's open to interpretation, right? It's it's open to mold it and shape it into whatever you want it to be for you. And I think that that's one of the big hurdles that that we as teachers have the responsibility of is teaching people that this looks like however you want it to look. I've often told people at the beginning of the class, hey, if you want to lay in a child's pose or shavasana this whole class, do you. Like, I actually get hyped when people don't do what I've instructed because they're like, I'm like, yes, like you you found something better that works for you, not, you, you know, and I, 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 I so appreciate that. Because that is what the practice is all about. It's about finding yourself, um, discovering what works for you, holding that compassion, um, choosing and deciding um, 
what works for you. And I think that there's so much that gets translated off the mat when we do those things on the mat. And the other thing that I, that I love and that I always speak to is that you get to show up to this practice exactly as you are with the body that you have, with the mind state that you're in, with the energy that you came with. Um, you could be jumping, you know, off the roof happy, or you could be in a really depressed, sad state. Yoga does not care how you show up, right? And you only need the space of a yoga mat and you don't even need a yoga mat to practice. So it, it's just the, the, the reality of the accessibility of it, despite the capitalistic ways that have limited that um, or made it inaccessible is so real too, because the practice is absolutely open and available. You just need yourself and a little bit of space. And I think that that's, it's just such an invitation and such a such an open space um, of self discovery, and I love I just love that about the practice, you know. Yeah. So we are all over here, all in love with yoga. <laughs> all in love with yoga. Conversation has been a yoga practice for me. Oh, I agree, and you know what? I I will share this, and this is real. Um, for maybe even years now, I don't practice yoga daily. You know, I don't. Um, there goes weeks sometimes when I don't even get on my mat unless I'm teaching a class. And I've had to grapple with some guilt around that. Um, and also like, hmm, what is that about? So I think sometimes I feel like, okay, in order for me to practice, that means that I have to come through and I got to sweat and I got to be here at least 30 minutes or like all these sort of parameters about how I'm supposed to practice. And I have to throw that out of the window a lot of times and just say, just, just get on your mat and see what happens, you know? And I think another thing that's true for me, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, the avoidance sometimes of just knowing like, if I get on this mat and I really let myself be vulnerable and open, I don't know what's going to come up. And maybe I'm a little bit scared about what will show up because maybe I've been trying to like distract myself or like suppress some stuff. And what am I going to do um, when those things pop up and how am I going to deal and manage? Um, is that something you can relate to or have experienced? Yes. <laughs> so. And I would actually be surprised if anyone said that they couldn't. Mm. Um, I think few people, this is my opinion, but I think few people really have like that discipline to do something every day. Mm -hmm. um, so there will be times where they're able to, times where they're not. And in today's busy world, and busy can mean so many different things because people just occupy themselves aimlessly. Which is why I have reduced my usage of social media. But um, sidebar, <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to like you know do things that you probably would be better off not doing, and avoiding to do things, avoiding to do the things that you should be doing, mm -hmm. um, and that can stir up a lot, mm -hmm. um, especially when you are being accountable to yourself. Mm -hmm. That, like, To me, yoga is the one thing where I feel like self-accountability mm. is the number one thing because you're not doing it for someone else. Mm. Like if you, for example, in Islam, praying is a physical practice. Mm -hmm. So we actually move through our prayers. Yeah. But you're praying to God. Yeah. So you're praying to a greater power out there but to someone else so the accountability is not necessarily to yourself mm. it's to your creator mm. but with yoga the accountability is to me so if i'm not doing it i have to ask questions to myself and if i haven't done something <laughs> for so long at some point i do have to ask like what's going yeah. on what are you avoiding um, what are you afraid of? Mm. There are some things that might be greater than me. And I think this is where a community is really important. Mm. If you have other people to turn to, if I would love, and I would love to have like a yoga instructor that I could turn to and be like, 
just guide me because as a teacher, I feel like I'm so picky about what I like and what I don't like. And I hate that about myself now hmm. with compassion, of course. With compassion. But I still don't like um, going to a class and not being able to let go yeah. of what I like and what I don't like. And part of that is, you know, how do I get out of my ego? But the other part is also, I understand what I need. Yeah. And if I'm not getting it from someone, then I'm not going to be receptive to whatever else they come up with. Yeah. And I think right. that's something that I've struggled the most is finding an instructor that I connect with mm. that is in person. Virtually, I have enjoyed a lot of different classes. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same as having like that. I can go to this class to this person. Yes, I can let my guards down. Yes, I can. I can take it all and enjoy a shavasana that's not self-led. <laughs> I yeah. yeah, I feel you on that. It is very difficult, especially when you are so intentional in the way that you cultivate classes for others. You want like that same thing. You were like, damn, if only I could teach myself, right? <laughs> but I love what you said about just ego and being able to put your put yourself aside, but at the same time honoring and respecting like, no, I've just learned what works for me and, and what really allows me to get into the space that I want to be in. Like I know where I want to get to and I know what I need in order to get there. And maybe I'm just not finding that here. So, you know, continuing to look and search and virtual has been great because we've been able to connect and do things that we normally wouldn't, ha wouldn't have. But it's been also difficult, like you said, that human interaction, that being in a class, being in community as well, right? In that yoga class yeah. with others and we're all breathing together and we're sweating together and we're moving together. There's something really, really beautiful and magical about that experience. Um, and yeah, the, energy. the energy that's moving in there is always so awesome. So that's been tough. Um, but you know, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> I am very optimistic about the future when it comes to yoga. Yeah. Not about other things, but when it comes to yoga. <laughs> yes. Let's keep that hope alive. Um, as we're going to start to begin wrapping up, I'm curious to know if anybody in here has any questions for Rugi. Um, please yeah. feel free to write them in and hey, see if we have anything. Um, this has been such a great conversation. I feel so full already. Um, it's just been great. It's been great. And it's awesome that, that through these digital channels, we have been able to connect and to get yeah. to know one another. Um, and another cool thing that I know is that your sister started the first farmer's market in Dakar, correct? And that's where you were actually yeah. teaching your classes. So I love just the strong woman pioneering energy that seems to be so <laughs> present in your family. Yes, I think I've been really, really blessed to be born into my family. And I'm the youngest, <laughs> so I get to claim all the the beautiful women that come before me. Mm. I have three amazing big sisters and a mom who has been the brightest light in mm. my life. Mm. And aunties slash grandmothers who have allowed me to be who I am today. And I think um, my experience at Spelman also reinforced that, you know, being comfortable in myself, you know, and that means also accepting when I'm not well, it means being vulnerable and not being afraid to show it. Mm. Um, it also means, you know, just trusting that, this is how things are supposed to be, you know. There is such a thing as black women, women of color who are able to live freely mm -hmm. and joyfully and be empowered to do mm -hmm. what they want to do. And to be agents of change in their communities, whether it's at small levels or larger levels, you mm -hmm. know. The choices that we make in life end up impacting us in so many different ways and impacting others and you know I, I love working with my sister with the farmers market seeing the impact that it has community-wise economically mm -hmm. um and even just you know there's like a greater sense of like energy that revolves around the initiative mm. that is I would love for it to be addictive but corona won't allow us to be great <laughs> <laughs> but you know when it is 
there, it's something that, you know, it really shines light and it's bright and I love it. And, you know, I want that for whatever the goals I have for Dharma Yoga and being able to share my experience of yoga with everybody else who mm. wants to share that experience with me. Yes. Ugh. You are so grounding. I, I need to take, when you're teaching a virtual class, let me know so I can come. Which, speaking of I which, <laughs> or maybe we can, maybe we can have you as a guest. <laughs> maybe we can have you as a guest on, uh, for the online studio. I think we would love I that. I would love to. Yes. Love Let's talk that. about that and get that on the books. Um, Tell us where we can find you, what you're up to, where you're teaching, if you are, um, all that good stuff. Okay, so right now you can find me on Rugiatu Journal. Um, it'd be probably a better off typing it than just pronouncing it. Um, and Jarama Yoga. Um, so that's where it can be found on social media. And I think that's the way most people want to find me anyways. Um, I'm currently based in Blacksburg, Virginia, because I'm a student at Virginia Tech. Um, but I'm always in and out of Dakar. That's home. I'm not currently teaching any classes, but if ever I do or whenever I do, which I will, it will be shared through those platforms. And I would love to teach a class um, as part of the, the Afro Yoga Studio. Yes, so plan on that. Plan there at some point. Coming soon, somewhere. Um to a online a Zoom class. <laughs> yes, to a screen near you. Um, thank you so much. This has been so powerful, so beautiful. I enjoyed this conversation so much. I feel light and happy and full um, and empty at the same time, which is just like the best feeling ever. So thank you for blessing us and gracing us with your presence and sharing with us your journey. Um, I look forward to listening to this again. <laughs> and so if you missed it, um, on IG Live, you can catch it anywhere that you that you stream podcasts at the Afro Yoga Podcast. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Sending you all the love. Thank you, Angie. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.